Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. We are at the fabulous Uptown Studios of Loyola University and the Michael Early Studios. And uh, I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training uh, on Catholic Community Media. And this morning we have an ultra special guest, uh, <laughs> iconic name in New Orleans and uh, probably many other places as well, but Mr. Peter Fitty Jr. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you for the invitation, David. It was really uh, kind of funny. We've never met. I was at the Archdiocese uh, office the other day, saw your office, and I said, uh, I'm going to go in and just say hello to Peter Finney. Uh, everybody in New Orleans knows, knows your family, knows you, your dad, your famous father. And uh, I'm really glad it worked out that you were able to come and join us this morning. I'm glad to do it. And um, the format of our show is we talk a little about how when there's a difficult time in, in your life and it was a moment where your faith expanded and uh, then we'll talk about a little food. This morning we're going to talk about Scott Craig's restaurant, uh, Katie's. He's got several others as well, but Katie's is the one I'm more familiar with. And then we finish the last part of the show talking about once you got your wheels onto you and uh, things were moving in the direction you wanted, that how did your faith further expand? What's your prayer life? What do you do? And uh, so the folks, uh, other listeners can maybe incorporate some of what you do or recognize that when they fell down or they're falling down now, that there's opportunity to step up, and we, we name it at that cross-training after uh, the Stations of the Cross when Jesus uh, fell, uh, quote the Monsignor Nolte, it should be reading, Jesus got up again three times. Uh, because <laughs> with that, we end up with this symbol of the cross of Jesus on it, and it uh, symbol known around the world for goodness and kindness and, uh, and a path to heaven. So with that, uh, we were just talking before we got onto the show. Uh, you went to Jesuit High School. I did. Class of 74. I claim it. That's right. Uh, that's good. <laughs> uh, I gave him the classic uh, when he told me he went to Jesuit. I'm sorry. <laughs> As I went to De La Salle. Uh, it's uh, the only thing we have to throw at you. <laughs> You're currently, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently at the Clarion Herald. Sure. Well, really, since 1993, uh, 30 years, been the editor of the Clarion Herald. And let me just go back a little bit because, uh, you know, grew up in New Orleans. Uh, my dad, obviously, a lot of people know, know, knew, knew of him. For 68 years, he was a sports writer, sports columnist for both the State's Item and the Times-Picayune. Had a great career. Just he just loved doing his five columns a week. Uh, I can remember uh, my sister tells this story. My younger sister, uh, he was doing his columns uh, typing uh, at the dining room table on his old typewriter, and he let my sister uh, type in a couple of words. You know that part of his column, his next words, and then the next day she got the thrill of reading that in, in the paper. She said, I, "I typed that." You know, so it was one of those things that. Grew up in a in a journalism family. Always would come home from St. Leo the Great uh, ch uh, School uh, every day, and the state's item was what they call an afternoon paper. The people who don't know that they were afternoon papers, and the state's item was that. And so, it was dropped at our house every like at three o'clock. And so, come home, and I would you know that's the first thing I would read was my dad's column. So, it, it, I think it was ordained that I would be interested in journalism. Always had a had a had an interest in writing, and you know I I, I like writing. So uh, 
came to Loyola and studied that, and studied journalism, and got a degree at, from Loyola, which was fantastic. Uh, worked for UPI, United Press International, which is a wire service, for about two and a half years in New Orleans, and then uh, moved up to New York because they were looking, UPI was looking for uh, somebody in the sports area. And I said, really, that was more of my realm. And so uh, my wife and I had just gotten married and we decided, uh, let's take a, let's take a, uh, let's take a flyer on this. We, we went to New York and at, at the same salary I was making uh, in New Orleans. So, so we found out very quickly. It was a little bit less. A little bit less. And thank God she was a, she was a CPA and she had, she had some, uh, some income to bring in. Uh, I worked for one year in New York uh, as a sports writer, which was a fantastic experience. And uh, and then uh, the New York Post was looking for somebody to cover college football, uh, NFL, uh, golf, and, and these were all sports I had covered. And so, you know, back in 81, I was hired to do that. I, I covered a lot of Monday night foot. Monday night football was really kind of new still. So I covered, went all around the country covering that. With Dandy Don. Dandy, Mary. that's right. Turn out so, the lights. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so it, it was uh, – and then I still say the only thing I miss about sports writing is going that one week to Augusta, uh, Georgia for the Masters because that was one of the most. Even if you don't play golf, that is, if anybody could ever get even a practice round ticket to go see that place up close, it really is an incredible experience. Heard. My okay. father, my father went and oh, said it was life changing. There's not a there's not a weed on the property, and, and if there ever were one, it would be completely it would be picked up. the The sandwiches that was, they give you are, are in are in these green, green cellophane. Uh, uh, Wrappings, so that if somebody happened to drop something on the on the grass, nobody would see it on TV. But of course, nobody ever litters at uh, at Augusta, <laughs> and so it's just a beautiful place. And the we, prices of those sandwiches are very cheap. Oh, it's because they get so much money from CBS to host the tournament. I mean, who knows how much they get? It's not have never been revealed, but they, uh, you know, a, a hot uh, whatever a hot dog or a pimento cheese sandwich is a dollar fifty. A Coke is a dollar or a dollar. I haven't been there in a while, so, but it's incredible. The patrons, as they call them, are really taken care of. You you pull up to the ma- and you think, okay, you're gonna have to pay fifty dollars to to park. You pull into a lot and it's free and it's right next to the. So they they bought an entire subdivision to create parking for just for that one week of the tournament. So they have they have money, but it, it, to get onto the course and just see it, it's just beautiful. And all the years, you know, you, you've seen it on TV, but. Uh, Great job in a lot of ways, uh, fantastic experience. My last year in New York was 1992. I covered the Olympics in uh, it was in Barcelona. So when we added it up at the end of the year, I was on the road 95 nights out of the year. Okay, so and we had four small children at that point. They were five and under. Okay, four, four kids in five years, five and a half years. And so, never forget this. I was in. I was. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, in February, covering the Knicks, the Knicks. I, I, I covered the Knicks for the Daily News, and so they were on the road in Los Angeles. I was eating uh, a prime rib in my in my room, medium rare. I, and so how it? I made the worst husband mistake of my life. I had to call home and say, "How's it going, honey?" <laughs> With four kids, <laughs> you're eating a, a prime rib. Yeah, and my wife said, "Well, it's going. I think it's going okay. Uh, you know, I just shoveled the sidewalk because it just snowed, and uh, and." My son Jonathan, he just threw up. So it's like, so she's picking up the mat. She's got four kids by herself, and I was on the road too much. And that, you know, in my stupid husband brain, you know, you, 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 it was kind of a wake up call. Hey, this is just uh, this is not working out. It's working out great for me, but it may not be working out great for Carolyn. So uh, that's when we decided to. That's, that's when she decided that no, we're, we're moving home. <laughs> And so it just so happened that the Clarion Herald, uh, the, the founding editor of the Clarion Herald, Emil Komar, was uh, getting ready to retire from that position to give full-time work with the Louisiana Catholic Conference, which kind of uh, uh, is the, the liaison of the bishops with the legislative, uh, legislators. And so he was going to move over and, and devote full-time to that. The Clarion Herald then needed a full-time editor, and so they, they posted the job. It just happened to be open right around that same time. 
and uh, and thank God I got. I mean, I, I came down and interviewed in the middle of the Knicks uh, in in the middle of the 1992 season, and uh, interviewed with Archbishop Schulte was mm-hmm. the uh, well with first of all with the board, and then uh, somehow I I had never really been a Catholic journalist, but I knew how to write. That's about. I'll never forget the question they asked me. Do you know who the Vatican Secretary of State is? And I said. I have absolutely no idea, but I can learn. <laughs> and so they accepted that, and and uh, it's been great. I've been I've been at the Clarion Herald since January of 1993, and uh, it's been an amazing you know journey. Our kids are, you know came home and they got to be with their cousins and 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 grandparents, and so it was uh, just really wonderful. There's nothing like that. Yeah, it's really it no. was it was great. So I, I I do not miss sports. Right, I don't miss especially now. Can you imagine having to travel, you know, say 95 nights a year on on a plane and, try, you know, it used to be you could walk up to a plane and just, you know, five minutes before boarding time and get on. Now you can't. It's it's impossible. And there's just a lot of headaches. And and then social media has certainly changed the whole landscape. You would write something back in those days. You write something. You might occasionally get a letter. But now you write something and then one second later you get somebody or the third the third comment is something like a a really pejorative comment and you know i think that would have driven me crazy and uh, and it's stale within three days it is it is right yeah it's it's a different it's a different thing so uh what i love about the clarion uh and working for the clarion is that you get to talk to people who whose faith is important to them and how they've used their faith to overcome challenges in their lives okay uh just one real quick story and we can you know go on and just to remind uh our listening audience this is I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training, and we have uh, the illustrious Peter Finney Jr., the uh, the I would say the voice of the Clarion Herald, but it's not the voice; it's uh, it's the uh, penmanship of the Clarion Herald for the last thirty years. Thirty years, yeah. and we are broadcasting from Loyola University in beautiful Uptown New Orleans, and uh, we're doing this under the banner of Catholic community media. That's great. And uh, it, it, you meet a lot of great people along the way and, and hear some unbelievable stories. One of the stories I did, it, was not even a, it wasn't even a, a real story per se. It was just like a notice of a meeting that uh, a group called Bridge to Name. It, it's it's a, a, group, a support group for people, people who had lost their spouses, and they get to go and talk about their lives and how can they maybe help each other with the grief. And so it was just like a three-paragraph little box story, and found out later that a woman read that story. Uh, she had lost her husband seven years earlier and had essentially become a prisoner in her own home. She had ne- she just couldn't get out. She was just grief-stricken. She read that, and she decided, hey, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go to that meeting. And she went to the meeting, and the, the organizer said it changed her life, just that, that one moment of, of being together with other people who had been through similar experiences. And it, she, she said the woman went out that next day. She went down to Canal Street and bought herself you know, new clothes, makeup, and all this stuff. And she, she was suddenly like a blossoming flower. And it was just that, – that just to show – the story was buried probably on page 17 somewhere. It was you know one of those things you could easily pass up. But one woman read this. And it changed her life. So it's like, wow, what what a powerful thing! Uh, you know, you work you you work over all kind of stories. Here's like one little item this woman read, and it changed her life. So that to me indicates the power, certainly of the of the written word of of the faith. You, you plant that one seed, and it really does make a difference in someone's life. It really does. We we just started a new grief uh, group counseling group at Holy Name, and. Uh, from what I heard, the first meeting they had uh, over twelve people. Wow! Very first meeting. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of great grief ministry uh, ministries uh, in 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 parishes around the archdiocese. Every uh, every October, around the time of All Saints Day, we do a special section called Eternal Life, and we list the grief resources. Uh, that are available in parishes around the archdiocese. So there's a lot of parishes who do something similar to that. I think a lot of recovering from the grief has to do with being lonely or not. Uh, it, that grief will wrap itself around any depression and make recovering a whole lot harder if you're by yourself. That's right. And if you can pull yourself to a group, wherever it is, uh, 
where they're doing some sort of counseling, just the camaraderie of being around other people is going to help so, so much. That's absolutely correct. So, uh, so when you took over this job at the Herald, you moved back from New York, you were living in Long Island in a sports writer's uh, paradise. Uh, it must have been, uh, what was that f- famous TV show, uh, The Odd Couple? Uh, with uh, Walter... Uh, Mathau. Walter Mathau. He was the sports writer back then. <laughs> That's right, he was. And he Felix. Was. Felix. Felix Unger. Unger. Felix Unger, yeah. yes. Uh, Jack Lemmon, I think. And, and the, uh, it, was, it was wonderful uh, to really you know be home certainly with family and then just to reconnect with so many people and uh and really just the the job itself uh you you just meet people who tell you their stories i mean just like you'd say about what changed your life or what kind of challenges did you have uh and how did god work in your life to help you overcome that well you get a chance to write those things and it affects people you know and uh it it affects you certainly as a writer as as a person when you hear these people's stories and i think it affects the the people who read it so uh it's wonderful you went through a, a total transformation of where your mind was and what you were thinking about. You were thinking about the defensive tackle for the Jets that <laughs> came up lame and is, you know, they don't have anybody to replace him. Uh, to worrying or writing about Jesus and yeah. God and the Catholic Church. I'll never forget being in the Jets locker room. I had written something, I guess it was somewhat negative, about one player. I got chased around the locker room with a with a bucket of water, you know, so it's so... The, literally. The, 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 literally. The players read... They didn't do anything. The, the players do, do read it and they, they get upset, you know, but you have to be, you know, you're working for an audience and you have to kind of, you have to tell the truth and you have to tell what you see and that's that's what I did. So the, the contrast is, at the Clarence Harold, when you when you talk to people, usually they, they, they want to talk to you, and, and, and they say, oh, "Oh, I'm so happy to, to sit down and talk to you and tell you about my story." So it's a it's a big difference <laughs> from kind of the adversarial relationship that you might have had with some you know some players. And listen, and not all and, and, and players, uh, there were a lot of players who were just d- delightful, you know. So that that happened every now and then. But how how big is the circulation? Of the Clarion Herald, yes. we were about 40,000 40, uh, copies uh, an issue. It's every two weeks, and it is distributed uh, in in bulk to the churches, so that after mass, people can pick it up. It's also uh, dropped at and de- delivered to elementary schools uh, in the archdiocese, so uh, the children. Uh, they can take it home uh, on, on Friday. Usually, it's Friday. They take it home, and they and so they have it in the home. We also have it available in selected grocery stores, pharmacies around, kind of almost like Gambit, where you can pick it up and you just pick it up. And so, that's what we hope in terms of uh, people will see the paper who maybe haven't been to church in a long time. You know, you go to Dornax and it's in the little cubby hole when you when you can see. You might pick it. Might see something that interests you. You pick it up. You say, you know. I haven't been in church in a long time. I think I'm going to – I read something that touched me, and I'm going to, you know, give this a chance. You again. never know. You never know. I mean, we call it the Word That's for right. a reason. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it has powerful, powerful impact. Yes, it uh, does. Maybe we'll speak to Mark Robert, who's uh, one of the sponsors. Of, that would be great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be good. I, I would think uh, we can get Dave Dawson on that one pretty quick <laughs> or, or Vince Lamberto. Um when we when when you make this transition back to New Orleans, where did you enroll your kids in school? Well, uh, let's see. When, Were they school when, age? Yeah, yeah. When we when we first came back, uh, our, my oldest son was eight years old, so he was in. That, he would have, he was in third grade. He was in third grade, and, and so so third grade and under the, the youngest was three. So uh, Peter was eight. And Sarah was three, and so they went to St. Francis Cabrini Elementary School altogether. I'll never forget Peter. What, Peter had not yet taken cursive writing. Now I don't even know if they teach cursive writing anymore, but he he did not have. Uh, he he knew how to draw, you know, letter A B C, but he didn't know how to do, write it in script. There was a nun, a sister of Saint Joseph. And oh, my, the name is escaping me. Uh, uh, Peter will be upset if I forget. But she she took him every day for like three weeks after school, and for thirty minutes, just kind of helped him. This is how you do. This is how you write cursive. And Peter never forgot that, you know. So it was like a. It, it, the, 
you just don't hear these kind of stories, you know, what the interest that the teachers, especially the religious, uh, there's fewer religious in the schools now, but this, this, this uh, religious sister, sister of St. Joseph, took care of Peter. And it really does make a difference to have the religious in the school. My daughter's at Dominican, and she had been at a charter school prior. And uh, you'd be surprised how those sisters influence the girls. Uh, oh, they do. They do. And, you know, in a it, positive way. Yeah, it is. Certainly yeah. where they don't think they can get away with much. <laughs> That's still a persona. There are fewer of them, they're older, but they still have that. Uh, you're not getting over on, right. on any of the sisters. Don't That's even right. think about it. That's right. So their, their education at St. Francis Cabrini uh, School was fantastic. And then uh, the two boys went on to Jesuit, and the two girls went on to Dominican. And so that's, right. uh, so they, they, they really enjoyed uh, their Catholic education. Uh, you're listening to Cross Training with David Anderson. And we have Peter Finney, Jr., uh, the editor do you just go with editor or publisher and editor? Yeah, yeah, you know, you want to call it executive editor and general manager. That's, that's too long for a business card. You know, just say, you know, editor is fine. How about he runs the uh, Clarion Herald? <laughs> that's right. Uh, and is a senior editor or executive editor as well, which is really one of the most important jobs at the whole paper is making sure yeah. stuff hits the role and it's the right spelling and not offending anyone. It, it, people say, do people read the Clarion Herald? And I say, yes, they do. And, and if you don't believe it, just just make a mistake, okay? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, exactly. And, and unfortunately, you do make mistakes every now and then and you know you hear about it. And the, the biggest ones are typos, usually in, in headlines that are like 36-point type and usually, why did you not see that mistake, you know? And uh, uh, so, yeah, it, it's a very humbling experience because you have to admit that, some, yeah, we are all human. You, <laughs> have a, you ever get a note from the archbishop uh, oh, on just, correction? <laughs> <laughs> just a, maybe not a note, maybe a phone call every now and then. But, no, he been, he's been great. Usually, uh, you know, we try to be very – we try to certainly be uh, – present the church – Truthfully, and and give people and I hey to, this this is what's going on so that people can understand they may not be getting this from the secular media at least the the, the nuance of what what is actually happening so that's what we try to provide information they're not going to get anywhere else. That's interesting uh, to get that perspective on yeah. it uh, because no the secular media would love to cover any negative story. Sure, uh, very few positive stories. It's one of the ads that rolls on. Uh, on Catholic Community Radio, promoting the Catholic faith and talking about how many people are assisted by and educated and and nursed back to health in the hospitals, universities, yes. and yeah. el- from elementary schools to high schools to colleges throughout the world. Yeah. Where, where would New Orleans, the, the greater New Orleans area, be? There are 22 Catholic high schools, I think about 14,000, 15,000 students uh, average in, in, in one year. And, of course, the elementary schools, upwards of, uh, I think, upwards of 50 uh, elementary schools. You know, where would, where would our South Louisiana be without the, the Catholic education provided and, and the, the values that are instilled in these children, you know, and there's a lot of non-Catholics certainly who attend Catholic schools, and the parents want that because they know they're going to get first of all, uh, not not just a great academic education, but a, a really great spiritual formation, and uh, that's that's a the two thousand year old that's right. spiritual <laughs> formation. It's exactly right. That, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, it, it when you really look at it, it is uh, when we talk about different people being. The pillars of our community—they're, they're, you know—they're the uh, big things that are driven down in the ground to hold the foundation. We have people throughout New Orleans that are like that. Right. Uh, your, your dad may be considered one of those folks, <laughs> uh, but the main one has to be the Catholic Church. Yeah. Oh, there's just no question. I mean, look at look at what. Uh, I mean, we've been around in New Orleans since seventeen, you know, seventeen twenty three. It's uh, the cathedral. Uh, what 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 other city really has whose is icon is is a cathedral? I mean, yeah, there's other major cathedrals in the United States. St. Patrick Cathedral in New York. You think of New York, you're not you're not thinking of the image of St. Patrick's Cathedral, Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center, or, or the Twin Towers, or you know, the World Trade Center. But no, New Orleans is St. Louis Cathedral. And uh, that's that tells you everything you need to know. It it really does, and uh, it's 
kind of funny that all, all the negative that happens brought upon by ourselves. Sure. Uh, yeah. Can't blame others. Right. But yet the mission still stays. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, certainly the, the, the sexual abuse crisis has been the, the toughest thing in my lifetime to see, you know, how, how it has certainly impacted really ruined uh, so many lives and it's uh it's very difficult to talk about the the one thing the church has done and I think you know since the early 2000s there's been no there's been no secular organization there's no organization that has committed itself to changing and to being more open and saying no uh you know this is this is not going to happen we're going to we're going to be transparent and we're going to take care of uh r- reporting and then certainly uh Taking care, you know, making sure the people who maybe have done this will never, you know, be in ministry again. So it's been, I, I think, the the uh, the improvement in the safe environment uh, system, you know, that the Catholic Church really has done. It's really been a model for the rest of the country, and it, it's it's a it's a disgrace, you know. Certainly, what has happened, it has hurt. Uh, it's just how many lives have been have been ruined by by this. Uh, God said, you know, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against, you know, my church. And, and you know, so I think uh, you just have to believe that, uh, that that God is at work and that, you know, this we're, we're on a different path. Well, you talk about that and talking about it from the position you hold. Right. Uh, I can just feel the pain in my own body. Um, sure. Of well, those folks that have. Oh, and 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 the thing is, if you, you know you you have to write about it because if you don't write about the bad news, they're not going to believe the no people won't believe the good news, you know. So it's like you have to tell the truth, and uh, so I think that's what we've tried to do. And and you know certainly the archbishops have been that I've worked under have been very uh, adamant about hey we have to tell the truth about this and make this public and say you know we ask ask forgiveness and and not only ask forgiveness change and and help help people. That's brilliant. Because um, I think you really did encapsulate very well the pain that people have had, that right. life-altering pain. Right. Uh, and uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, they shouldn't have swept it under the rug. And, and you're correct. Mm-hmm. Anyone that says that is 100% correct. But if you look back just in in our own recent history, whether it was uh, uncles back in uh, the day that misbehaved with children, that was all swept under the rug. Correct. Families did not want that to get out. And so the people who were in charge dealt with it the same way that a last-generation family would have handled a situation like that. Right. So You're right. Run by that same group of people. Uh, so today is a different world. Right. Right. Uh, and thankfully so. It's yes. a lot more open, and I think the internet and social media certainly has yeah. catapulted that to a, to another level. It's not always accurate, and it's not always uh, positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as bringing that issue to the surface, it has been there. And I think it's had a lot of corrective measures from mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. I, I, I spend a good bit of time every Friday morning with uh, Joe Kraft. He leads a group, Father Joe Kraft at the seminary and get to see we eat breakfast and all the seminarians are there and you can see that there uh, are a lot of really righteous not Mm -hmm. self-righteous humbly righteous good young men Mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting you're starting to see a lot more uh, women in the breakfast area over there that are in some path that they're in uh Yes, and, and pursuing a religious life. Yeah, that's right. And and Notre Dame yeah, has has a lot of master's degree programs that are open to the general public, and and so you see a lot of uh, certainly the, the the students there are uh, run the gamut. So they've they've done some great things, you know, for the entire community. They also do a uh, a lay ecclesial uh, ministry uh, in New Orleans where people who say or working in a parish, not even working in a parish, just a, mem- a parishioner who wants to learn more about their faith and how how can I maybe in in 
strengthen what I can do for parish ministry, they take uh, they take this coursework is like a three or four year, um, uh, I believe three or four years of of studies, and they get a degree in lay ecclesial ministry, and then they go back to their parishes and and are kind of infused with with knowledge of faith, but also how to be more effective pastoral leaders. Like a junior deacon. Right, that's right. An unordained uh, deacon. I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training, and we talk about falling down and getting back up, and we have Peter Finney, Jr., the editor of the Clarion Herald for the last 30 years, and we're at the fabulous Uptown Studios of uh, Loyola University, quite uh, adeptly named the Mike Early Studios, and uh, we are on Catholic Community Media. And, you know, uh, Mike Early was an incredible person. Uh, he, of course, you know, the Jesuits uh, founded WWL, you know, back, I guess, 1920 or whenever that, whatever that date was. But anyway, Mike And it was Early just was, radio at that uh, Just radio, sure. And then, you know, in the, in the late 40s, uh, you know, TV came in. But Mike Early, he, uh, he did a couple things. He spotted Phil Johnson. Uh, to kind of be to be the news uh, news uh, director, and then he got uh, Hap Glaudy to come over from sports writing to 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 do his sports reports. And Hap, you know, had had this great way of talking and speaking. Kind of, he was almost like a Buddy Deliberto type in terms of just his his New Orleans accent. But Mike Early could spot talent, and that's why WWL for many many years decades was the top rated local television station in, in the entire, in, in the in entire country, country right. in terms of viewership they had you know their, their percentage of viewers was like it swamped the competition so uh mike early was the the man responsible for putting together that team so it's, it's great to be in the studio named for him oh after listening to my own voice on this show i actually said i sound like Hap Glaudy uh, and Buddy Deliberto of religious radio. <laughs> my my dad had a funny story about Buddy. You, you, everybody remembers the Aints. You know the Saints started off zero and, 15, uh, 0 and fourteen. They finally won, I think, in week fifteen. And so the Bagheads, you know, started. And so Buddy around the seventh loss, maybe they were zero and seven, zero and eight. He was the one. He got the idea. There was a, a guy named the Unknown Comic, where the, uh, an Unknown Comic put a put a bag over his head and, and then told jokes. Okay, so Buddy used that and said, "Listen, I'm gonna." He told my my dad was on the show with him from the press box. It was right before Monday Night Football, and so it was like thirty minute show. And he said, "Hey Pete, I'm gonna. Don't worry, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna do something. You know, you're gonna see this." So the show starts. Buddy pulls out the bag. And, and puts it over his head. Okay, and that's really where the bagheads started on Buddy Deliberto's show right before Monday Night Football. And so my dad said, Buddy, nobody can understand you when you when they read your lips. Now I really can't understand you. So, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so it was uh, – but Buddy was uh, – he was one of a kind. I, I, so you knew all these guys? I, 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 I knew them through my dad. So I knew them. Kind Hap? Of, yeah. Hap, you met yeah. Hap? Oh, I met Hap, yeah, yeah. Is that story really true? Well, that's what they claim. He, you know, he, uh, he went to the fairgrounds supposedly and hit, a, hit the Daily Double or hit, hit, hit it big, and it helped, helped to have a wad of cash, and he went to the registrar and said, I want to come here. I didn't even need to say what story it was. <laughs> oh, you yeah. knew. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing, Hap had this very colloquial way of speaking. Hap was a brilliant writer, and actually, so so was Buddy. Buddy Buddy was a, a great writer. Uh, they just they, they talk they talk funny, you know. It's like talk New Orleans. I resemble but, that remark. <laughs> that's right. But Hap was an excellent writer. Hap, uh, in fact, wrote columns for uh, the when the Clarion Herald started in 1963. Hap wrote uh, sports columns for the Clarion Herald, and then later, uh, uh, Buddy picked up the torch. And so Buddy wrote in the early 60s, and then and then later on, like in the 80s. Uh, Buddy came back and wrote for the Clarion Herald as well, a one, one once a week uh, column, and people lo- oh, people loved to read them. They really did. Well, I don't think anyone liked to read sports. Uh, uh, any any followed anyone like your father? <laughs> My brother Herbie Anderson told me the story this morning. I told him you were coming on the show, and we had a paper route back in the day, the state's <laughs> item. And he said, I would read his column every day before we started folding the papers. I would read it every day. And he said, once a year, he would write in January. The whole schedule 
for the year right. of who's going to win uh, <laughs> from Augusta right. uh, all the way to the NFL. It was it, He called it his New Year's Eve prediction column. It would run on December 31st, and it would be the, the following year. This is what's going to happen the next uh, 12 years in the world of sports, 12, 12 months, months in the world of sports. And so actually about five or six years ago, people said, hey, man, you ought to uh, think about doing something. So I picked it up. I did it, 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 not, not close, but I, tried, I did the same thing. So the last issue in December in the Clarion Herald, I kind of as an homage to my father, I do I do the predictions uh, for the uh, for the coming year, and it's it's a lot of fun because you throw in a lot of jokes and stuff. Now, did you predict that? Uh, St. Ben's at the Abbey would win the National uh, <laughs> Monastery Basketball Championship. I, I didn't even know it was happening. But a, a, a great, you know, one of the great stories about that that tournament was that the the first of all they the had a pound se- and a half baby. The, the, the pound, the, okay, the, there was a, first of all there's a seminarian who from Lafayette. He he was on a basketball team at St. Thomas More. They won four consecutive state championships in basketball. He went on to he walked on at the University of Louisiana in Lafayette as a freshman. He obviously could play very good. He decided he discerned that hey I want to try to, to do I have a calling to the priesthood. He entered St. St. Joseph Seminary College, and so. He's a ringer. I mean, he's a great player. And so they said, hey, they got this guy. And then they had a couple of other tall guys. Oh, he's really on good. the team now. No, he's on the team now. <laughs> and, and so they and, and so actually had a great team. But, okay, long story short. He's the Pistol Pete. He's the Pistol Pete of the St. Ben's. They call him the Ravens uh, for, for, for St. Benedict. Okay. And so they won this, this national championship of seminary basketball. But they, they selected, the team selected a cheerleader, kind of like a kind of spirit leader. And it was this guy named Zach Jolly. Born in Texas, born uh, he was born four months prematurely. He weighed one ounce less than a, than, a, than a basketball when he was born. One, one pound, uh, excuse, let's see, he one pound five ounces. Yes. he weighed, and uh, incredible. And so he was on oxygen for four months, it, 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 six months. It affected his eyesight, so he's blind in one eye, and he can barely see out of the left eye. But anyway. Didn't grow up Catholic. Somehow an uncle went to church, grabbed the kids. Hey, let's go to church. They, 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 all the kids became Catholic. He felt a tug that, hey, maybe I want to be a priest. He, so now he's in there discerning the priesthood. But they, they chose Zach to be kind of like their spirit leader. And so at the, at the tournament in Chicago, he would lead them across the snow to the gym and to the dormitories. And he has a cane. And, and, and so they, but, but he was the guy who was constantly popping them up. You, you're going to win. You're going to win. And he couldn't. Uh, he could see when the basketball went through the goal where he was on his side of the bench, but he had no idea if the basket, you know, went in on the other goal. But he could say, "Hey, he knew about how the crowd, you know, reacted." But they they kind of devoted the, the championship to, to to Zach Johnson. Really? So, yeah. So he he was the first one to touch the trophy, and they had him raise it up. And uh, uh, it's a great great story. So, stories like that, that. That that's why we're in this. Business, you know, this is vocation. And you had a whole coverage. Did I hear uh, on on the radio talking about that story? Well, we, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, out, I did a story on it, but it, it was a uh, it was live streamed. The whole tournament was live streamed, and so the seminary and and other people could see it. And they, you know, uh, this kid Carter Demang, who's the who's the really good basketball player. He's you know, it's tough to beat talent. You know, it's he's yes, he's very good. <laughs> and and I would imagine. Uh, Talent is not particularly high in that league. No, that's right. So you, when you have a really good player, I may have made, <laughs> been able to make the team. <laughs> you, you could have you could have worn a jersey. And yeah. been, yeah, that's right. But actually, they have they have some good. They probably have a lot of good high school athletes. You know, but but apparently the, the coach said uh, Brian Cochran said uh, there's a, there was a lot of uh, people who were good, but they weren't Carter Demang good. You know, he, he was really good. So the Pistol Pete, like you said. That, that, that's fantastic. And again, this is David Anderson. We're on cross-training uh, on Catholic Community Media. And this morning at the fabulous Uptown Studios of Albert DuPont Jr. are uh, in, our, in our studio this morning is Peter Finney Jr., the editor of the Clarion Herald, where he has held that seat for over 30 years. And he was just about to tell us the time when the Archbishop called and was really angry at him. <laughs> It doesn't happen too often. It's it, 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 it's all. I tell you what. The, the I've worked for Archbishop Schulte, who hired me, and then uh, Archbishop Hughes, who went through Katrina. And the one thing I'll say about Archbishop Hughes, he had some very difficult decisions to make after Katrina, when when yes. you know, we were we were devastated, and 
he was not going to punt. He said, we, we have to make these decisions, and it's very difficult. And he's a, such a prayerful man and just a very you know, loving person. And he took the archdiocese through a very difficult time. So I'll always forget that. He's still incredible. He's, he's in his 90s. I see him at the, uh, at the seminary every now and then he, he, with he, his iPad. He's got his iPad. He swims just about every day. He rides his bike just about every day. He's incredible, and he's just a, just a wonderful person. He also does ministry at uh, Project Lazarus. Really? Uh, for, for those uh, p- people who have AIDS and, and are living there, he goes over and, every Friday and, and talks to them and, 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 and prays with them. So Not many incredible. people know that the church started Project Lazarus. Project Lazarus. I mean, which is a home was, for indigent AIDS patients. It was in the middle 80s, and actually my, my former pastor who just passed away, Father Paul DeRozier, uh, he said he went to the archbishop, Archbishop Hannon at the time, and said, listen, we, we need to do something. I'm doing three funerals a week because he lit, he was in the Bywater area, and we've need, we the church needs to do something. Archbishop Hannah said, "Okay, you go ahead and do it." And and so they found this spot for it became it was the first Catholic hospice for AIDS victims in the in the United States, and it's still it's still alive, just doing some fan. And now you know because of certainly drug therapy, it's not a death sentence per se, but it's, it's right. more but it's more of getting people who may not have uh, a place to stay they they can stay there more of an extended time and help them you know uh, get back into society and, and get a job and, and and get better so uh, but yeah the church did that I mean it, you know at a time when people were saying hey get out of the way let's let's cover it under the rug or whatever no Archbishop Hannon said no no we're gonna do this I don't know if you've ever been to the annual fundraiser I have not which is the best party I have ever been to <laughs> in my life they do generally do it at, at the wharf at one of the big docks that like Mardi Gras world and out on the river and it's a gigantic it's the it's the last Saturday before Halloween okay every year and people come in from all around the country for this party there 10,000 people type of party uh, but everyone's in costume and it's a gigantic uh, like dance party <laughs> it is uh, it, it, it it's it's a lot of fun, yeah, and it's for an amazing cause. That's right, amazing ministry. That's that, right, particularly coming what most people's perception of the Catholic Church. Right, absolutely. That, uh, you absolutely. know, so narrow-minded and uh, you know on certain paths. When the reality is, yeah. we were talking earlier about all the schools and hospitals. There's probably no institution that, uh, from a minority group, from a female group to a male group, that educates and cares for in hospitals a more diverse group. And just to follow up on that, you know, Second Harvest Food Bank was started by the Archdiocese of New Orleans. It's an amazing outreach to 23 civil parishes in in Louisiana, in South Louisiana, stretches from Lake Charles to, you know, the the East east Louisiana. And what they do to provide food for people who – who just don't have a lot of money or just or maybe lost a job and I don't have any, you know, the price, food prices, when food prices spiked during the pandemic, the demand for food really grew. And that was all started by the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And, um, uh, you know, people don't realize that Second Harvest Food Bank is, a, is an affiliated ministry of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And it's also a good time to give them a plug. If you have extra stuff, right? Uh, cash is always best. Right. But... Uh, Maybe we need to tie. I'm sure Mark Robert and any Catholic grocers yeah. are already tied into. And, and that. they do, yeah. They, they do get a fair amount of produce from you know certainly Walmart and other grocers in the area. You know that that help. Hey, this is a. It it may be past maybe expiration date, but it's not. You know, it's still very good. And and they and they use it. And they certainly they provide nutritious meals and food. They also have a kitchen. They prepare meals and they also you know get deliver meals to seniors and to children. So we had a group at Holy Name go over to um, the homeless shelter. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and And we cooked lunch for them on Sunday. And we just, Father Mark Thibodeau made a call out, hey, we have someone in the parish organizing. And all of a sudden, 15 people show up and we cook a lunch for 300 people. And uh, it was really... It, and the food, where I was going with that, I saw uh, Robert's food stamped on uh, a lot of the chicken. 
So he donated a lot of chicken. You know, Robert's uh, uh, Christine Bordelon, who works at the Clarion Herald, she discovered the, the great uh, catfish on, on Lenten Fridays. And she came back one day with, I said, this is, this is unbelievable. And they have some, some kind of crawfish dressing. dressing. Cornbread, uh, corn, cornbread slash you know, crawfish dressing. Is that not it delicious? It's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, you could serve anywhere in, in the city. We do movie night where we watch The Chosen uh, every other Friday night at Holy Name. And we get our food from Robes, and the catfish is delicious. It's delicious. But that crawfish cornbread dressing yes. is some of the best dressing I've ever had. Need the recipe. It is. <laughs> or, or just run over there and get, right. a, get it. Don't get the small tub. Get the bigger tub. That's right. We had folks come in from out of town, and I was over there buying some stuff. Uh, and they had a fella, like the chef of the kitchen over there on Carrollton and Claiborne. Comes out and he had a tray of pistolets with oysters Rockefeller. Oh my goodness! I said uh, I'll take a dozen. It's tough being a Catholic in Lent, right? Yes, <laughs> in, in it New was Orleans, so in, delicious. In <laughs> I took them home and served them as the appetizer for my family coming over for dinner. Everybody went crazy for them. <laughs> they were really delicious. That's great. And and today I get to go to Galatoire's <laughs> for my sister's birthday. Oh my goodness! And uh, wow. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. That's I can't tremendous. wait. I don't know what uh, what a, any Catholic affiliation Galatoire's has, but uh, <laughs> I think George John George's is one of it, and he's uh, a recognized uh, Orthodox Greek Orthodox Greek right. Orthodox, That's which right. all That's fall right. under the same domain. <laughs> Are you doing anything special, or have you done anything special with the Pope's tenth anniversary? We uh, obviously we've, we've covered it just kind of with stories about uh, the you know uh, his his tenure his his papacy. Uh, he's been he's been an amazing person in terms of uh, just let's get to the heart of of the, of the church and 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 try to have people see uh, a lot of what's in your heart is. You know, you, 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 let, let's make sure your heart is correct, and and any kind of attitude or prejudice that you might have, you need to wipe that away. You know, and he's been he's a humble person. Uh, you know, the, the the stories about when uh, right after he was elected pope, he, he he went back to the hotel and and paid cash for his room. You know, for his room at the conclave or, or whenever he had to do that. And so he's just uh, he's a real down to earth person, and it's a uh, uh, he's. He's been he's been fantastic. He really, I couldn't agree more. He really reminds me a lot of uh, Pope John the Twenty Third. I see a lot of that. It's not about this. It's about what's in your heart. Right. That's right. And pushing that out, and that what's in your heart, if it if it's true, it's going to be joyful. Right. And that's what spreads the message more than anything. Uh, that that's out there is one person seeing someone else that's joyful, right. and they may they may get the hook at reading that story in the Clarion Herald mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, I'm going to go to that grief counseling." Mm-hmm. Once they get there, they experience people, right? And those people, if they have joy, they probably do because they're organizing that and putting something to help other people together. And I th- you know, it's it's not always the dogma, you know, that that certainly attracts people. It's it's how are you? Hey, hey, you know, David, you look you look like you're very happy. You know, hey, what's what's good? And then you, you may it has nothing to do with overtly, you know, your Catholic faith, but they they can see something maybe different. And what's hey, tell me a little bit about you know what's why are you so happy? You know what what's going on? You know, and and then you have a chance to talk to people. And, and it's a gift to say, thou shalt not fear. Mm-hmm. It's, in, mm-hmm. it's not in my hands. Right. Everybody has problems right. going on in their life every day. Right. Anyone who thinks someone doesn't have problems going on in their day, regardless of how they um, uh, uh, of what's going on on the outside, inside, everyone has problems. Right. But if you do believe in the Word and in our church, you let you. It's it's like a reinsurance company. You can lay it off and go to sleep and wake up and be joyful. Uh, because you know it's going to be okay. That's right. Uh, That's right. Whatever issue is facing you, you pray, you say the rosary, and uh, it almost certainly won't work out how you think it will, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it will work out in a in a good manner. Yeah. I'll never forget after Katrina, uh, there was a doctor 
Dr. Rigamer uh, came. He was with Catholic Charities, uh, and he uh, great Catholic, also just a, uh, a, a also a psychiatrist and, and psychologist. And he he talked to the people. And said, "Listen, you feel like it is the end of the world. Uh, you know, you feel like you, you're going to forget. You feel like you're going to be going numb or whatever, and, or you're going crazy. You're not. This is just your reaction to to all this lo- this sudden loss." It will it will get better and then, and then the archbishop Archbishop Hughes talked about just just as you said be not afraid God is with you and and it's everything's going to work out and it, it 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 did you know and you have to have that you have to have that faith that's uh, that's important. Well, coming to the last couple minutes of the show, tell us about how you pray. Okay. What do you do? What's your daily? Your Sunday? Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the choir at uh, at Transfiguration of the Lord Church, and uh, Will you I give really... us a little uh, <laughs> demo here. I've I've, uh, I've cantered sometimes. <laughs> there's there's some. You, you know what? You know what? It's incredible is uh, to there's about 15 people in the choir. And we practice. Uh, well, we Saint Leo. Uh, no, Saint Transfiguration of the Lord, the former Saint Raphael on gotcha. Legion Fields. Okay, in Prentice Avenue near University of New Orleans, and there's 15 people who are just are such devoted. We've become like a, a small family, and so we we pray right before uh, we practice, and we, we will practice the songs, and at the end we, we end in prayer. Vance Volkerson is the director, great uh, a great guy, sausage and man. He's a the sausage man. He's he's a fanta- He's got a he's a fantastic singer and. Wow. He Wow. Also a director. He's a good-looking fellow oh, too. He's, he's really. Oh yeah. He's. He uh, ought to be. Yeah, on. Don't don't tell him that. Though. Okay. <laughs> so in fact, in fact, I'm going to lunch with my daughter at, at, at Van Vance Volkerson's uh, uh, place. He has opened up a cafe, and, and he has lunch. My wife and I had a grocery store a hundred years ago, a oh. magazine and leak called Anderson de Bella Market, and he came around and we started carrying his sausage. Man, they were wow. great po boys. Oh, that's great. That's but it, it, the, the, you. We will pray for each other, you know, because we're if there's something going on, you know, in in somebody's life. So we kind of know, and that to me is such a uh, it's such a part of my spirituality. That's it's fantastic, and to see people react to say so, song and and to music at mass because it helps people, it lifts their hearts. It's just uh, it's it's just such a joy to do that. So you wake up in the morning. Yeah. What do you do? I I'll, I will. Uh, I I usually have my I usually have my hot tea first, and then I will just uh, I I'll say some prayers. Thank you, God. That you what know, time do you wake up? I wake up by five thirty, five thirty six six o'clock at the latest, and uh, so I will. Uh, you know, th- there's daily readings. The the, the Creighton University has. Uh, Reflections on the daily readings, uh, and if anybody can't get to mass, you know I, I can't get to mass every day. But you can you can read these reflections. Uh, you read the readings and then you read the reflections, and it's really it's good. So you go to Creighton University, uh, it's Creighton.edu, something like that, and uh, it's all there. You look for daily reflections. So that's a good little tip. And uh, so and then basically, you know, before I go to bed, I just try to reflect on. You know, oh, you do. You the do the went. Ignatius. I, I try to. Yeah, and and just is uh, you know. There's so many things that you know. Uh, you, you have all the good intentions, but then sometimes life gets in the way, and you know you you fall you fall off. You know, and you say, "Well, I, I could have handled that better." You know, and so basically, that's uh, that's my routine. Join me in uh, uh, our new signature uh, exit from the show is we say the Hail Mary. Okay, and uh, and then we sign off. All right. So Hail Mary, full, full of grace. grace the, the Lord is with, with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And I hope uh, when we say that, I hope listeners say that with us. Yeah. And that would be great inspiration. That's wonderful. So we really want to thank you for coming in uh, to Cross Training on Catholic Community Media. Uh, thank you very much, and I look forward. I'm gonna read your editorials now with a whole new feel of being personal. Oh, great! But thank you for doing what you're doing. You're spreading the word um, like nobody's business. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. Cross training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.